and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. I'm your host, Catherine King, and it's a pleasure to have you join us today. In this series, we'll be speaking to senior data analytics leaders to share their experiences, challenges, and insights. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Business of Data podcast. Now, this week's theme is all about it's not the future, it's now. Specifically, how to accelerate and scale your digital transformation and adapting to new technologies and processes. Now, to chat us through this wonderful topic, I have managed to grab half an hour with the wonderful Jill Tomlinson, who's the Director of Data and Analytics from three. Now, if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Jill previously, just a few intro facts for you so that you can get better acquainted. Jill has worked within the data function of several companies, including RSA, Whitbread and Lloyd's. And as I say today, she is the director of data analytics for the telecom company three. Now, Jill has this week just spoken at our CDAO Europe conference, which for the very first time was fully virtual. So I really enjoyed tuning into her panel session on that one. And if you can't find Jill at her home office desk, you'll most likely find her enjoying time with her toddler, Rafe, or possibly out on a run. Jill, it's lovely to have you. Thanks so much for joining me today. Catherine, thanks very much. And that was a lovely introduction as well. <laughs> You are most welcome. Now, it is a bod pod tradition that I always start with a nosy question. And I know we have such a range of different people who tune in to this podcast. And I know we have uh, a fair amount of parents joining us. Now, I can't imagine lockdown and toddlers mixed terribly well. So I'm keen to know what have you been doing to keep yourself and your son busy during this time? I think, uh, well, work's kept me very busy, but I think uh, juggling a toddler probably has a, a, a series of pros and cons. So uh, I think from a from a positive side, spending time with him every day has been absolutely magic, you know, and obviously cutting down the commute time as well. It's been yeah. wonderful. Uh, my son started talking during the time, which has been amazing. Um, uh, probably uh, from the con side, the juggling has been a little bit of a challenge, but it actually you, you do prove to yourself you actually can do remote working, which has been yeah. astonishing and also spend time and quality with your family. Um, I think the the one milestone we probably reached is my son. I potty trained him during lockdown, so <laughs> a bit too much information, but, uh, but a good milestone in a mum's life, basically. Yeah, fantastic. I love that, and I think it, it gives a very real insight uh, to you as a person, not just as a thought leader. Fantastic. Now, Jill, you're also a member of the female lead, I believe. Um, I'd love to know more about uh, the organisation and what you you do with them. Sure. Um, so uh, I think. Uh, the data industry has always been seen very much um, with an IT lens. Mm -hmm. And the IT industry uh, globally is very, it's very male dominated. It always has been. And um, so, um, you know, being a, a senior leader in the data industry, it's, it's, it's really important that, you, and for me personally, that, um, you know, I'm able to promote to younger girls and to the younger mm -hmm. generation of women, you know, and, and role model potentially, you know, opportunities for them to actually go after positions and jobs and careers that they wouldn't have thought of traditionally because it has been very male uh, dominated. So, you know, the, the female lead is a, a fantastic organization. It's nonprofit. It was set up by a woman called Edwina Dunn. She's a phenomenal um, entrepreneur and data pioneer. And um, she basically her mission is to make women's stories visible and to mm -hmm. offer alternative role models, basically, mm -hmm. uh, for younger girls um, out there, as opposed to, you know, the traditional uh, marketing type roles or, or you know, um, secretarial type roles that used to be in the past, really, but but really to promote the, 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 the industry itself. 
Fantastic. I tell you what, I love my job. It's no secret. But what I absolutely love is speaking to people like you who are so passionate about things that I have been passionate about for a long time and just hearing about this incredible work. I don't know if you were lucky enough to catch uh, Di Mays from WPP session uh, at CDO Europe. She did a fantastic bit within her session about uh, diversity and and thinking about the language we use in in day-to-day -day life and actually how that can influence career choices and, and things like that. I'm thinking postman and, and things like that. And that actually we're influencing people from a young age to think about gendered roles and, and actually we need to be thinking very differently. So I'm so glad it's it's really coming uh, to the forefront and, and people like yourself are really taking a lead on on really uh, promoting that. So thank you so much. Yeah, I think I think, you know, probably alongside that, the data geek in me. Uh, you know, we obviously artificial intelligence is, is mm -hmm. one of the key capabilities that we are uh, globally maturing, you know, and, and really driving forward. And um, what we find is that um, in order to remove bias from uh, artificial intelligence, the best data science team you can have is a diverse one, both culturally, gender wise, you know, and because obviously, um, you know, the, the ability to to reprogram an artificial intelligence solution without that bias is absolutely critical mm -hmm. to success of companies in future. So, so, there, so there's a geek side of me where actually there's a really interesting play where we actually really need that diversity, even yeah. with the way in which we're setting up our teams internally, just purely on the products we're actually developing and delivering. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a trend that I've seen in, in content that we've produced, but also things that I've attended as well, that there's almost this evolution from it's not just diversity to look good and, and check boxes, but actually, as you say there, it's about the quality and, and you know, dealing with inbuilt biases. I mean, the, the world is biased, so data is going to be and about dealing with those uh, problems and actually questions being posed by people who are diverse and, and, and are having teams that are diverse that are provoking questions that perhaps wouldn't have been asked if you have a team that all looks and sounds very similar. So very interesting exactly. things indeed. So let's move on to the, the main conversation here. This, the title of this session is It's Not the Future, It's Now. Now, this, this came about because when we were catching up before this episode, Jill, you, you shared that fantastic soundbite with me uh, when we were discussing digital transformation. As I said, you said, it's not the future, it's now. Why do you think so many companies are still in that mindset that it is in the future or it's further down the line? I think obviously COVID has, has influenced this a little bit. I think it's further in people's, uh, in a sense of it's closer, sorry, uh, in people's journeys than it was. But why do you think so many companies and organizations aren't really seeing digital as imperative and right now? I think uh, I think I think you're probably right. I think uh, that it has somewhat changed that view uh, in terms of COVID, and and I think the I think businesses are definitely seeing it as imperative. I think there's still a gap, and has fundamentally been the, the challenge previously is mm -hmm. that it's always been seen as an IT change within an organization mm -hmm. and it's uh, big building blocks big uh, technology components that need to be delivered and implemented and take a long time and while that's happening the business tend to get slightly disinterested and slightly disengaged and because they're, 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 they've got a job to do daily um, you know customer growth uh, looking after their customers managing them you yeah. know generating revenue and I think the the biggest challenge to to digital transformation in the past definitely has been the fact that there's that um, that separation and disengagement between between um, mm -hmm. the business and, and, and IT. And I see it um, as a data practitioner because there isn't a company I've joined and I've worked for a long, 
a lot of the banks, um, you know, obviously um, Whitbread, I would say, every organization out there, to be fair. Um, yeah. There's not a program of work I don't um, step into where there's not a remediation project where you have to marry what the data needs to look like um, for the yeah. business versus what the technology is actually functionally enabled to do. And um, so I think I think I think this year has seen a marked step change. I think that mm -hmm. um, you know the, the the fact that companies have no choice but to actually have um, you know to, to to sell remotely, to sell online, yeah. to be online, to have an online presence, to work in an automated way, and and, and be able to respond instantaneously to customers. I think that's really accelerated things this year, which is which is we've seen a marked improvement for that, um, mm -hmm. and and really kind of changed that 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 imperative. Um, there's still obviously the challenges of how you make that happen. And I think, you know, um, really good leaders across the industry um, and program managers with, in digital transformation are able to do that. But yeah. I, I, do, I do see a step change this year. I think that's so interesting what you say there, that, that leaders just didn't have a choice. It was that that choice and luxury was just removed from them. Because as you say, you know, when when shops are closed and you legally cannot uh, go out and, and, and purchase items, that, that has to move online or you just have to shut up shop for, for however long this goes on for. I mean, obviously, we're both UK based. Uh, I believe you're in England based. That's right. Yeah, yeah so so you're in lockdown at the moment. I'm in Wales. I'm just out of lockdown. So so uh, I mean if if you just look at the UK, so so different. So so being digitally is is imperative if you if you want to carry on, which is which is great. So when it came to your digital transformation and the experiences you've had Often when I have these sorts of conversations, there's normally kind of a, a, a spark that, that means uh, that there was kind of the one challenge or problem that was kind of the real big thing that they, they wanted to change. Was that the, the case for you? Was there, a, was there a particular problem or challenge you were looking to face with um, your digital transformation? I, th I think I think overall we've we've been on our transformation journey for a number of years now. We started relatively early. Um, we had um, we we were blocked by a competition commission with a merger that we that we had underway, and we've been working on for a number of years. So we hadn't focused on transformation and digitization up to that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, when 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 that was blocked and when that fell through, uh, we decided well. It, from a telco perspective, um, the future of 5G, IoT, and supporting mm -hmm. basically smart businesses, smart homes, smart cars, and the economy, and really um, having a, a viable proposition that you can absolutely expand and build upon, mm -hmm. means that we had to we have to move we had to move our network and our our, our IT um, stack into the cloud as soon as possible. Right. We need the processing power in the future. You need to be able to actually support um, all that 5G brings. Um, you know, and and I think that you know that that was really the spur for us. Um, you know, in order to be able to move our transformation journey across. Now, we've we've successfully done that from a network perspective, and and we're 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 almost at the closing end of that journey now. But I think you know, fundamentally top down from a business perspective, the ultimate goal is you've got to compete. Uh, you've yeah. got to understand, you know, how you're going to compete in future, and the nature of the industry's competition is going to change because of digitization, because of the way in which the world is moving towards, as I've said, where you've got 5G, you've got the ability, you know, obviously maybe 6G, Absolutely. 7G, um, things are going to get faster, quicker, and um, customers are going to become more demanding and more, um, uh, and there's going to be a lot more price suppression, you know, a lot more competition. So Absolutely. I think uh, it's, you know, I think you, we, we very much saw that as part of what we needed to do and transform, and, and that's really been the catalyst for us.
Yeah. And I think it's probably fair to say you're in one of the fastest pacing industries there is and that that isn't going to slow down for you. You, you the, the phrase that an executive at an event recently said, which is just stuck in my mind there, which is you kind of have to build the aeroplane as you're flying. And, and that there's not going to be a pause or moment in these uh, transformations that allows you to transform with it. And actually, you've just got to keep going. I think the I think the other thing really is that there, there's no such thing as an end goal anymore. Mm. Um, so you've got to continuously build and develop. Um, so you have to have a culture of proof of concepts and testing and R&D. Yeah. And, you know, that's not, notoriously not necessarily always been part of the fabric of most companies. Um, but now with the way in which the world is changing and especially how the data analytics, uh, you know, landscape shifts and changes, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about, we spoke about AI, you know, um, a little bit earlier as well, you know, you, you've got to be constantly testing, proving, scaling up, looking for, for obviously, you know, how you actually make that big next best leap. Fantastic. Now, were there any specific uh, technologies or data-driven capabilities that have played a really big role in Three's digital transformation uh, currently today? Yeah, I mean, look, I mentioned the cloud, right? So, um, you know, we've we've got we're a Microsoft Azure shop, so uh, we've uh, you know we've we've truly embraced with we've got a very big partnership with them because we are part of the CK Hutchison Group. So we have a lot of relationships with vendors across yeah. the board, and although we use other players in the market as well, um, as three UK, we've chosen um, really to to move everything into the cloud on that basis, and that's been our, our core, you know, our foundation. Uh, from a data analytics perspective, um, we have we've chosen um, several options, um, and it typically your BI capability, you know, your um, your self service type license yeah. size type reporting, you know, um, uh, visualization capability, your analytics analytical tooling that can be scalable that can actually support basically integrated analytics in the future, you know, digital front ends, um, how you actually do, let's say, targeted ads or, you know, how you support campaigns in real time. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, so we've invested in, the, in in kit to be able to support us on that basis. And and really, I think, uh, you know, from 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 our remit perspective, it's, it's been about um, do we have the, the best capability suited to what we want mm-hmm. to do, not just today, but literally as we scale. And then how do we work with those organizations? And this has also been a big part of our mantra, uh, sitting on the innovation boards of our vendors to be able to actually influence that roadmap as well as actually work mm-hmm. with them to be able to, to yeah. um, you know, build out basically what we need in future. Fantastic. Now, I mentioned it earlier, and I'm, I'm kind of keen to, to zone in on your experience for how uh, COVID-19 has really impacted your current strategy, and what it's meant for your teams working. I mean, uh, I assume that you're either remote working or at least uh, partly. So how's that been for you? Uh, so it's, 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 uh, it's, well, it's, it's, it's been fantastic and challenging at the same time, because I don't think we've ever been busier. Mm. Because, um, as I said to you, that step change was absolutely needed, and you need a data analytics ecosystem that can support, um, you know, your ability to absolutely run your business remotely overnight. Yeah. Um, so, you know, where, you, where we haven't had that, we've had to go and actually really accelerate the change in those spaces very quickly. So, um, and and also from an insight perspective, uh, the need to understand um, pre and post lockdown where you open stores, how you optimize your stores, uh, how mm-hmm. you optimize propositions, how you um, you know really shift the dial has been critical. Uh, we have a joint relationship with a company called CK Delta. It's not really a joint relationship. They are a, whole, a part of our CK Hutchinson holding company group. And um, we, you know, we, we worked with them hand in glove to support the um, city of London to help develop the COVID index 
So basically that shows traffic pre and post uh, lockdown right. and support TfL or the police or mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the city of London to be able to understand how to actually manage really um, the flow of people. So, so there's been a, a huge demand of my team, um, to be fair, from a data analytics perspective. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've all been remote working. Um, yep. And and also um, part of that is I've also been hiring in new talent. Um, so you know that, that's been um, so some of my leaders I haven't even met in person yet, which has been a really interesting situation. I've never experienced that before, but um, you know it just it just works anyway. Um, and on that point, are yeah. they more spread out now, or are you still hiring with the thought that you're going back into the office, or has it increased the the geographic uh, area? Yeah, I think I think to be fair, I mean, um, to be fair, none of us really know what the future is looking. Although the vaccine coming in sounds like a fantastic um, mm -hmm. opportunity for us to get back into a working environment, but I think I think our minds have completely opened now to the fact that mm -hmm. people can work anywhere across the UK and still be able to do a really good job. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I think where 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 there is necessity for for us to get together is really when you're doing major planning sessions, you know, mm -hmm. big changes or, or big projects. I think uh, it's still useful to have everyone in the same room, um, although we've been managing that through through Zoom calls or Teams or mm -hmm. you know, remotely to date. Yeah, I think from, from the plethora of conversations I've had with people in similar roles to yourself is that actually, although remote working can do a lot of things and that it increases uh, many, many positives, you know, as we said, increasing the talent pool and linking that back to our previous conversation around diversity, you're able to open up the net much wider to people who perhaps wouldn't have been included due to just geographical uh, restrictions. But then on the flip side, as you say, there are just those water cooler moments that you can't have online, those meetings after the meeting takes place uh, that, that are more casual and that actually that a lot of innovation is done in that time. So it's going to be really interesting to see in the next months or, or uh, you know, further into 2021, how that looks in terms of whether there is sort of a hybrid model for, for many companies. And um, as, as you said, right in the... Sorry, go on. No, 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 sorry. I, I was going to say, I think that's exactly where our thinking is. It's probably mm -hmm. going to be more hybrid. And interestingly enough, uh, we're doing things that we never thought we would do in the past where um, we're organized, you know, to, to ensure also that your people feel engaged because that's the other side is, is looking after people's well-being and really Absolutely. making sure, you know, they're supported because not everyone has the same home environment and that, Absolutely. you know, and also lack of social interaction can have a negative effect as well. So uh, we've been doing uh, pizza uh, pizza sessions, you know, where we have Domino's delivered to our yeah. team, and you do a drink session overnight, you know, and, and basically remotely. So, we've been looking at ways in which we can balance the scales, at least from a, a social mm -hmm. perspective, you know, to to bring that to the fore. Absolutely, that's fantastic to hear that you've been doing that because it is such a such a big problem. I think there was a there was a real influx at the start of lockdown for many, and these things, you know, there was a quiz every other day on Zoom. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of uh, people's. Uh, uh, passion for it has kind of waned a little but it's really yeah. exciting to hear that you're still doing that because it is still so fundamental and I and I also think you know going right back to your your first uh contribution to this episode about your son having additional family time I think there's going to be a cultural pushback to being in the office as frequently as it used to be because it's yeah. like hang on I quite like having dinner with my family at a normal time and enjoying their company as well Absolutely. so I think that's going to be of interest we we have diverged massively let's get back on, <laughs> get back on track so with everything that's going on 
with uh, COVID throwing just every uh, every spin ball possible, how frequently would you say data leaders should be reassessing and updating their digital strategies? As you say, there's no end goal, so you can't ever really say, right, we've done it. So what should uh, they be doing to, to reassess and update? How frequently? I think, uh, I th to be fair, it depends on where they are in their digital journey. But the thing is, is that, you know, from, from my perspective in terms of where we where I see the world is um, we have obviously a big transformation program where like I said to you switching out bigger pieces mm -hmm. of kit and technology and that requires probably a less frequent um, review so you know quarterly yeah. every six months etc uh, whereas obviously on a day-to-day -day basis we're working with a business across the board whether it be to automate reporting or to build mm -hmm. a, deliver a project for uh, you know some analytics to, to to look at a new proposition for example um, you know, th those type of activities are ongoing on a day to day basis. And mm -hmm. I think every new request that comes through from the business needs to be looked at with an innovative lens. So, um, so to be fair, I think, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, there's, there's, there's two hats, there's the bigger cadence. And, and I think, I think at least mm -hmm. once per annum, you need to be able to, you need to do a review of your mm -hmm. strategy from a transformation point of view. And then on a, on a, on a more real time basis, I think, uh, you know, it has to be inherent and built into your way of working. Fantastic. Now I'm so conscious of the time. I, I want to move on to our, our last section of the conversation that I had earmarked us to have. And that's all about the future of, of kind of data value. Now, as you said previously, three now belongs to the multinational conglomerate CK Hutchinson Group. Now, I believe you have been working to monetize the group's data as well. I'd love to know more about what that entails. Yeah, so, so my room is very much focused on the, on 3UK, um, but we work with, like I said to you, a company called, uh, uh, one of our um, holding companies uh, called CK Delta. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so really what it is, is that, um, you know, we're incredibly mindful of um, anonymized customer information being absolutely critical and, and, you know, the compliance requirements around GDPR, so really protecting our customers' data. But the information we sit on, specifically from a network perspective, is incredibly valuable, so location information, for example. So I mentioned the uh, COVID index and how yep. we've built the insight out. So, um, you know, our ability to understand, um, let's say, uh, people's movements, um, and provide that in an anonymized way um, mm -hmm. to the city of London is invaluable insight. So it's got a it's got a real monetary value attached to it. It's got a real value attached to it from a uh, from an ethical you know commercial perspective. And um, you know those are the type of projects that we work on. So um, and we work so we're more of a service arm to our CK Delta holding company, who really drive the the product development mm -hmm. and the sales function. But um, I think the you know that's probably one example. Uh, we've worked on an ad fraud product um, mm -hmm. for uh, ad and media agencies, and more recently, uh, we have also looked at a proof of concept um, that we've been working with around flying taxis, which is a, a bit of a crazy. Uh, wow, okay. Actually, yeah, those things are, are happening at the moment. Um, I mean, it, most of the telcos do this, um, and a lot of them, are, some of them are better than we mm -hmm. are in, in this space. Uh, to be fair, we focus very much on our off-codes across the board, but also then how we expand that out. So. Um, you know, building the products um, for our opcos and then looking at how we then, um, you know, provide that value to other organizations. Um, and I think, you know, that, that, that for us, especially from a data analytics perspective, um, as a practitioner, that's the exciting stuff. That really is Absolutely. space. Um, and it is the space of the future because in the IoT world in future, and once you actually get that real processing power that 5G, um, you know, and obviously as we kind of really accelerate 6G, 7G, uh, mm -hmm. it will bring um, every device out there is a device that 
that speaks from a data perspective to each other. And um, you know the the opportunities to be able to for companies who have traditionally, let's say, had one type of product that they sold in the market yeah. and that is is huge. So um, so I think for, from our perspective, it's a very exciting space. Absolutely. And do you think just kind of adding on to that one before we wrap up, do you think that people would be shocked to hear some of these projects? I mean, they just sound so futuristic. I mean, flying taxis, come on, that's so exciting. <laughs> do you think that the wider the wider public who aren't perhaps as aware to the data capabilities that, that you guys have would be shocked by that? Um, it's been in the news. So uh, there's a, do you know what I, I think? I think if you're if you're keeping up with with innovations and mm. what's happening on that side, uh, you know, I think you probably would be in the know of of some of these yeah. activities happening. Every know everyone knows about smart cars. You know yeah. what I mean? So the, so you can imagine if we're already um, we've been in working on smart cars for a number of years that a lot of companies must be working on the next step, the next best thing, and that mm. sort of thing. Um, so you know, I think uh, I think it's a you know it, it's very much a here and now. Yeah. I, I think a lot of organizations particularly the bigger organizations medium to large organizations a lot more of the focus is very much on the foundations and especially this year so innovation might not be at the forefront of mind however for a lot of the entrepreneurial organizations and smes and you know the organizations that really have r&d as at the heart of their the proposition mm-hmm. you know that's where their focus really is so i think i think you know uh, probably this year has been a somewhat of a distraction <laughs> in that space um yeah. But uh, I think I think the the you know the the futures it, it, it's pretty much where we're we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to what we thought was really twenty years or ten years down the line. Yeah, how exciting! Fantastic. Now the time is dripping away here very very quickly. So my last question to you, Jill. I always like to put these. Uh, I'm often told these are the hardest questions, and I like to put them uh, last. Which is if you could go back five years and give yourself one piece of advice, whether professionally or personally, what would it be? Um, I probably would have bought a home earlier. <laughs> so I, I've, I've literally, I've just taken advantage, obviously, of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the housing market, the stamp duty holiday at the moment, and I've, mm-hmm. I've just purchased a home. Uh, but I probably would have done it a lot sooner, I think, if you look at the values and how they've increased. So, uh, yeah. and that's just from a personal perspective, to be fair, there's probably a lot more of advice. Um, you know, I'm... There's, there's no point in time in my career or even my personal life I don't think I'm growing or learning mm-hmm. so um, you know that's I just accept that to be fair so there's probably a lot of things I would have done differently with hindsight uh, mm-hmm. you know but nothing regretful uh, but I think the the one thing would be yes I would have bought a house sooner. <laughs> well congratulations on Thank your you. on your new home and, I, and to be fair I think that's a fantastic piece of advice is that you are always we're, we're each growing and learning and actually that is okay that can be the piece of advice yeah, really definitely. to take from that, that that it's okay to to develop and and you know perfection is, is not always something that can be achieved and it should just be a goal absolutely absolutely fantastic well jill as always it is a pleasure to chat with you so thank you so much for giving me some of your time today Catherine, thank you very much thank, thank you. you catch you soon cheers What a brilliant conversation. What I absolutely loved about that chat 
was the various themes that Jill brought up and actually that there's so many exciting things right in the here and now and it's not about five years or ten years down the line we're talking within the next few months if not a little bit further afield in, in perhaps 2021. Uh, for me I absolutely loved hearing about the flying taxis uh, what a great way to monetize uh, data that otherwise would just be sat there and I think for anyone listening who is perhaps a little bit uh, behind on their digital transformation journey, Jill gives a tremendous amount of hope as to what can be achieved if you get your culture and your organisation equipped and ready to deal with that said transformation. As always, make sure you are subscribed to the Business of Data platform to be first in line for our thought-leading content and insights. And if you haven't done already, make sure you are following us on socials, the Business of Data by Carinium, and uh, you will be able to comment, chat, and share all of that content with fellow thought leaders. For now, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you real soon.